Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point, as well as those who watch us on television and online. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. I uh, want to give a quick shout out to uh, over at our Appleton campus, our uh, group, uh, youth group leaders, Zach and Veda, uh, got married recently. So uh, give them a hand. Young couple, early 20s, good for them. Do it early. <laughs> Zach and Veda stuck. That's their name. I guess they're literally now stuck <laughs> with each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. Also, uh, this morning over at our Appleton campus, we got some baby dedications. Astrid Peschel and Liam Rodriguez are being dedicated. And welcome to uh, all their family that are coming to uh, witness that this morning. Good to have you all with us. I want to encourage you about our uh, Wednesday night Bible studies. Wednesday nights is an important part of the spiritual life here at Celebration Church. If you just come on Sundays and not come on Wednesdays, you're missing out. You're not really experiencing the full spiritual experience here at Celebration Church. We uh, have wonderful programs for the kids, uh, and uh, we, for the adults, we get into and really study the Bible. You really want to study the Bible. I'll, I do various topics on Sunday morning, but you really want to get into it. You need to come to us on Wednesday night. And it's, it's a little different now. It's, it used to be a uh, kind of a mini service with a singing and stuff, but we don't do that anymore. 6.45, we start, I open the Bible, and we just start teaching. 7.45, I shut up, all right? So it's a one-hour teaching. I usually shut up. <laughs> on occasion, a little, but even then, it's just a little longer. But I mean, it's, it's just... We just start, nothing else going on. We just study the scripture, and we go through one verse at a time. We're going through uh, the New Testament, and uh, really having a great time. Having said all that, we're not meeting this Wednesday. Because <laughs> it's Thanksgiving, and I don't want to work. Hallelujah. Although the children's choirs are, they are meeting. So, you know, so it's, it's you know, your parents drop them off. <laughs> take off for a couple of hours of peace or however long it lasts, and then I'll come back and pick them up. So <clears throat> anyway, all of that. Then come on Wednesday night. All right. Big uh, Thanksgiving this Thursday, which also happens to be my birthday. I always tell my family that's why they call it Thanksgiving. So 27 years old, that'll be fabulous. <laughs> uh, drive safely, have fun. All the hunters out this morning, God bless them. Keep them safe. 
It doesn't bother me that they shoot those things, man. Shoot them all. I don't care. But stay safe. Don't shoot each other. It was 18 degrees when I got out of bed this morning outside. It was sunny. You know, still sunny, right? I thought, Devin, I thought, wow, it's going to be like, what is it, 45 degrees outside today? And step out. Whoa! That was nasty. I'm just glad I'm not sitting in a tree. <laughs> I would, I, you know, I would do hunting. If we could do it like, you know, with a heated recliners. <laughs> and, you know, widescreen televisions and stuff like that. And hand grenades. I just, you know, I just want to get close. <laughs> Rocket propelled grenades. She <laughs> boom, got him! So, uh, now you know why I don't hunt. Okay, so this morning, Luke the 17th chapter, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They had to stay at a distance. They were forbidden from being around the general population for fear of spreading the disease of leprosy. Miserable, miserable disease. Horrible way to live and a horrible way to die. They had certainly heard by now of Jesus and all the stuff that he did and how God did incredible miracle powers through Jesus, stuff that no one had ever seen or heard before. I mean, it was truly amazing as he healed the sick, raised the dead. I mean, transforming people's lives. They had heard about this incredible Jesus. So they're off to the distance because they got to say, wait, they're yelling at Jesus, trying to get his attention, you know, have mercy on us. And uh, in verse 14, it says, well, when Jesus saw him, he said, well, go show yourselves to the priests. He said, just go over to the priests. And and, uh, so they went, they just took off. And as they went, all of a sudden they were cleansed. Now stop and think of what that had to be like. Suffering from this horrible, debilitating disease, the misery of it all and what you were facing, and all of a sudden, completely whole. Now can you imagine the emotional rush that would happen from something like that? The pure joy that would fill your head, the heart of grateful thanksgiving to God for turning something like this around. But in verse 15, we read, one of them, remember there were 10 of them, only one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, which is kind of just an interesting side thing that they threw in. Uh, you read about Samaritans throughout in the gospel. You hear about these Samaritans. And it's interesting how many times a Samaritan was like a major point of contact, like here. And, uh, you know, you remember the uh, parable of the good Samaritan and Jesus meeting the lady at the well. And she was a Samaritan and uh, all that incredible stuff. Now, Samaritans were very much looked down upon by the Jewish population. They considered them foreigners. They didn't really fit in. They were basically, as an insulting term, half-breeds is how they viewed them. You had the pure Jewish people, and then you... And one of the rules is they were not supposed to intermingle with other uh, races and cultures around them, Uh, but the Samaritans did. They were Jewish, but they intermingled with everybody, and and, uh, this really caused the regular Jews to look down on them. But yet, amazingly, how often 
God did something miraculous in their midst. It's a good kind of lesson for us to realize that God can touch anybody, even the people you think wouldn't have a chance. You never know. Just share the love of God with people. You never know how they'll respond. So anyway, uh, this guy comes back, and in verse 17, Jesus asks him, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Uh, This morning I have a message entitled, Don't Be a Tightwad, which is rather odd considering the text, but just hang in there with me. I'll come full circle and it'll make sense, I hope. Now, this idea of being a tightwad. Now, before you start throwing looks at your husband or wife for their (laughs) propensity not to spend money, uh, you need to understand something. Let me be very clear. Just because someone is careful about how they spend their money doesn't make them a tightwad, okay? We should be careful about how we spend our money. And this is a great message, considering the season which we are about to embark upon. This is Friday's called Black Friday, or what I call it, the annual running of the pagans. (laughs) As people go nuts, standing in line for ungodly hours to save $75 on a TV or whatever that they do. Uh, I know it's fun. I don't, I'm just teasing. I don't really care. But, uh, you know, what I do care about is that just remind ourselves, live within your means. Don't go crazy. Okay. Uh, so just because someone is very careful with their money doesn't mean they're a tightwad, at least in the, the definition that I'm looking at. Now, without a doubt, tightwads don't like to spend money. Okay, let's face it, how one spends money says a lot about the kind of person they are. We all know people who are very generous with their money. We also know people who are so tight that when they walk, they squeak. Now, some folks intentionally live small so they can give large. And this is a good thing. Again, these are not tightwads. These are people who are careful with their money. And let's make no mistake. One of the main reasons people are not able to be more generous to their, for example, church is because they just don't have the money left over because they've consumed everything they've touched. Like a gigantic Pac-Man. Eating every little thing. You get to the end of the week, I got nothing. Of course you got nothing. (laughs) Quit spending so much money. And it's such a trap in this country, you know? Everything's being thrown at us, thrown at us, thrown at us, thrown at us. We just got to have the latest, greatest, and uh, it can get uh, out of control. But the smart people intentionally spend less money so they can be more generous and have a lot more freedom in their life. Uh, Then you've got people who uh, intentionally give less money so they can live more generously. Or just live more on themselves, you know. Instead of spending less so they can give more, they give less so they can spend more on themselves. And, uh, and these are people who just become consumed about themselves. Uh, these are the kind of tightwads I'm talking about. They hold back. They store from themselves. Everything's about me, 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 me. Now, studies have shown, and you can relax, so this really isn't a message about money. <laughs> but uh, studies have shown that those who are the most generous givers 
actually do not have the most amount of money. It is stunning. A lot of studies have been done on this. I was talking to someone from a Thrivent Insurance, that uh, you know, faith-based, Christian-based uh, financial services company. And uh, they've done the studies, had studies done, and, uh, and they found out that this was true. It goes along with some secular studies. I got a secular study here from the Chronicle of Philanthropy, did a study and found that households earning $50,000 to $75,000 a year gave, uh, were the most generous people. They gave, on average, 6.5% of their income to, uh, to charity. The people who are over $100,000 a year gave 4%, and it tended to go for that. It seemed like the more people make, just the less that they give. Uh, you know, Now, it could be because they are just being consumed by money, get real tight. Uh, although, to be honest with you, a lot of the problem is just that people who make more money wind up spending more money. It becomes a trap. You know, people who have $50,000 a year think, man, if I could ever make $100,000 a year, I'd, I'd, we'd really have it made. That would be true if you still lived like you had 50000 But what happens is people who make $100,000 start spending money like drunken monkeys. And they get the bigger house and the fancier car and all the stuff, and, la, 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 and they are now actually more miserable. I know people who, are, who make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year who are actually more miserable financially than people who make $50,000 a year. Because people with $50,000 a year are, spend, are living within their means and they can breathe and still do things and take vacations and stuff like that. You'd be surprised, man. I know of people. I know of one in particular in my mind, $500,000 a year. And uh, they can't go out for dinner because they're on such a tight budget. Why? They have a massive house and the fancy cars. I mean, it's just, it's just insane. And of course, give? Not likely because life is just, they just fall into this trap. You know, again, it's great to make more money if you don't spend it all. It's the spending problem that we get into. And we want to control our spending. Again, those who control their spendings are not the kind of people that I would put in the category of a tightwad. So, according to these studies, one thing is very clear. That our propensity to give is not tied to the size of our bank accounts. It's really tied to the size of our hearts. Oftentimes, the least wealthy, yet wise spenders, are the most generous people. While, as I said, some of the richest people in the world can become some of the biggest tightwads. But a tightwad is not just defined merely by the amount of money they have and how much they spend. A tightwad is really defined by their level of selfishness. Again, this isn't about money. It's about selfishness. This is people who just become so tight about everything in their life. They can barely breathe. Tightwads, a true tightwad simply doesn't want to share anything. The refrain, he or, sing, he or she sings, is like that of the seagulls in the movie Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 We all know people like this. A true tightwad, you see, is tight about everything. Their time, their emotions, their affections. Tightwads generally don't want to give much of anything. These are the rationers of time the poppers of affection, the guardians to the vault of emotions. They lock everything up. I want to share much of anything. And if there's one thing tightwads don't like to do is give thanks. 
See, the Bible talks about thanks, and now we're finally getting back to our point <laughs> with our initial story, is that, uh, especially coming up with Thanksgiving, the Bible says we're supposed to give thanks. A lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm thankful. People know I'm thankful. My wife knows I like her. I told her once. I told her if I loved her and if anything changes, I'd let her know. <laughs> you know, these, these are the tight wads of life. They're, they're tight, and they tend to be tight with money, too. They don't just want to give anything. They don't like to say anything, don't thank anybody, acknowledge anybody, give much of anything, don't give their time, don't give much of their affections. They're just ugh, very, very tight people. We're supposed to give thanks, just like you give other things. Feeling it doesn't mean jack if you're not saying it, if you're not acknowledging it. Sadly, many tightwads don't like to give much of anything to anyone, including gratitude. Why? I, I don't know. I've never understood it, to be honest with you. I, I don't know what the big deal is. It's like cutting off their legs, some of these people. I presume they think of some sign of weakness. I don't know. You know, I, I, I have my issues. <laughs> Hard to imagine, but, <laughs> but I do, and in my faults, so I can honestly say one thing I don't struggle with is just being thankful. Just be grateful, man. I am grateful. I thank God for what I have and my family, my wife, my, our health, our blessings. I thank God for this church, for all of you, for what I have in life. I'm, I'm a very, very grateful person. I because I don't des don't deserve any of it. Maybe that's what you have to understand is you don't deserve it. Um, if you think you've earned everything, yeah, I got everything, I earned it, it's fine. Maybe those are the people. I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand. I think it's going to cost them something to be grateful to others, but nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus praised the one guy. Now, those other nine guys, because of their condition, probably were all broke as well. So again, it's not just about money. They couldn't be bothered to come back and say, man, Thanks. I would be extraordinarily thankful if someone made it possible so that I was not in pain anymore. I hate pain. I hate to be inconvenienced, much less feel pain. I don't even like getting a cold. <laughs> My wife knows it's like I'm going to die because I have a runny nose, you know. <laughs> don't worry, you won't die. Uh, Jesus praised the one who came back gave thanks. When you're a true tightwad, you hold on to everything, though. Tightwads only see lack. The, grass is all, the, gla the, grass, the glass is always half empty. Everything's half empty to these people. That's their existence in life. There's never enough. I'll, we'll never have enough. We're all going to die. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough emotion. I don't have enough anything to do and spend with people, which is just sad. There just isn't enough of anything to go around. Everything in life is a commodity to be hoarded, like the survivalist that fills his basement with toilet paper. <laughs> if a neighbor asks for a spare roll, there's just no way. I haven't got a square to spare. <laughs> All the Seinfeld fans. No, 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 no. I got to guard every precious roll. I might, I might not have enough. Do you guys remember the whole Y2K thing? All these cycles run around. Maybe you were, were one of them. I don't know. But uh, well, the world's going to come to an end because now the computers will work after the year 2000. I always thought this was absurd. 
Some of the arguments they would make were just insanity. All the airplanes are going to fall out of the sky. No, they're not. I was a pilot. I know you could take a plane like mine, shut, entire electrical system could go out. And the plane still flies. And the engines still run. Because it's more mechanical than electrical. This idea that everything was going to collapse it was just ridiculous. All these people just getting crazy and trying to hoard everything and stuff. I'd argue with them, you know. Of course, I proved to be right. But they look at me and say, well, what are you going to do if we're right? I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> what are you going to do, shoot me? I don't think people think this through. The only way you hoarding stuff works is if you're willing to kill the people who come to you for help. Really? People are crazy. Now, on the outside chance that you can actually get a true tightwad to give of something... Give of their time, volunteer for a project, compromise on some family issue in their life. Oh, be warned. They're most likely to make it known how much of your valuable time, their valuable time that you've wasted. How this was such a huge sacrifice. How you are now indebted to them for life because 60 minutes of their precious time was put towards something you wanted. You know what I'm talking about? We all know people like that. That's why so many people who live with a true tightwad tend not to ask them to do anything. It's uh, just not worth hearing all the whining and complaining. Honestly, don't be like that. Relax. They tend to also be the misers of emotion. They ration compliments. They don't want to give too many compliments to anybody. You know. They're careful to give out kind words and affirmations toward others. And of course, they don't like to thank anybody because, you know, don't know they have enough to go around. They act like a World War II gas station attendant rationing gas. They wouldn't dare want to give too much. There won't be enough left over. True Taiwads think that holding on to everything they have actually makes those things of greater value, but the opposite happens. The truth is, the more willing that you're, more you are willing to give, the more value comes to those things. The more love you give, the more love you're going to experience, the more kindness you give, the more kindness you're going to experience. This idea that hanging on to it actually it really makes it more valuable is absurd. It becomes less powerful. The Bible says in Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You giving of yourself doesn't mean you're going to have less. And I've never, you know, one of the greatest examples of this for me is I, I've never understood people who like are in blended family situations and stuff. and They just refuse to love the other kids like their own. You know, they, they literally act like, well, I, I just got to love my kids. I got to focus on my kids. I can't love my other kids because like, like there's only so much in the bank account, which is insane. The more you give, the more you will receive. The more will be there. Don't be thinking like that. Love and affection is not something that, you know, your bank account, yeah, you will run, <laughs> run out of it at some point. But not love and kindness and stuff. This is unlimited supply. Good, you know, I am so grateful. I was, in, you know, in that kind of situation. My, uh, my parents divorced when I was very young because they could not agree. My father wanted to have girlfriends and my mother could not agree. 
and uh, so she divorced his sorry butt and remarried a man later by the name of Gunger, hence the name change. And, uh, back in those days, people were more willing, I mean, still painful for them, but more likely to give up custody in situations like that just for the peace of the child. Not today, man. They use these children as weapons. They're the tip of the spear. They use their own children as weapons. They stick it into the heart of their exes and stuff. Uh, don't you be like that. Well, my ex does it. Well, that's on them. Don't you be like that. I'm so grateful, you know, that my dad, adopted dad, never referred to us, us three boys, any differently than the other three kids that came along later. We never referred to each other in our home as stepbrothers and stepsisters and all these titles that people do to remind everyone that they're in a different status or category. I don't understand people who do that. Well, what is that about? How about you just love people? To this day, my brothers, we never refer to a stepbrother. We'll sometimes explain it to someone else just to explain the difference in appearance. Because <laughs> we don't look the same, you know. You guys are related? Yeah, well, technically she's my stepsister, you know. And even that's uncomfortable to say. We just never thought in those terms. My dad loved us as much as he loved any of them. Quite frankly, I think he loved me the most. <laughs> What's not to love? My goodness, don't go around with this mentality. I can't give, I can't love, I can't share with it. Just stop. Don't be such a tightwad. Corinthians says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So a lot of people in their lives, they reap sparingly. But whoever sows generously will reap generously. Your key to gain, Mr. and Mrs. Tightwad, is to give. And this is true even financially. That verse we just read actually is in direct reference to your money. But in so many other ways of life, be generous. The more you give, the more you will receive. That's why Jesus said it's more blessed to give. Why? Because then you wind up getting more. Those who've learned this are the people who are the happiest people on earth. Those who are the scrooges of life, you know, hanging on every little morsel of energy that they have, tend not to thrive. So, learn to give. Start today, even if it's just a small token, a baby step. Be nice to people. How about be grateful to your spouse? Say to your husband, thank you for what you do, for the hours you put in, for the way you help provide for our family. Well, he knows it. Yeah, say it. Say you're thankful to your wife. Thank you, baby. Thanks for putting up with me. You know, we travel around, people always come up to her and say, oh, it must be so much fun to be married to him. <laughs> she smiles and goes, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a thrill a minute. Be grateful, even with your money. Don't be so tight. You tell the offering goes around, some people, it's like they're going into needing their Lamaze breathing techniques, you know. <laughs> You gotta breathe because it's so painful to let go of a $20 bill. 
be generous, be kind, be thankful, especially this week. Stop, reflect on your blessings. Let people know, let God know that you are grateful, that you are thankful. Learn to give. Sow the right seeds in your life now so that you can be generous and grow rich later. And not just in money, but in all areas of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. We are so grateful for you, Lord. We know that you have given so much. Scriptures tell us that you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That when we give, we're the most like God. Help us to learn to give of our emotions, of our acknowledgments, of our recommendations. Uh, of our time towards the people in our lives. And yes, even with our money. Not to be the financial and emotional tightwads of life, but to be filled with generous hearts. Because again, when we give, we're the most like you. And God, we are so grateful and thankful for all of our blessings that we share. And as we reflect on these this week and on this Thursday, Help us to be truly, truly thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. And may God have mercy on the Green Bay Packers.